This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hi, my name is Alina Johnson and I come from a small town in South Otago called Milton. I'm here with Science Academy to blow your mind, bedazzle your brain and lighten up your life with some staggering science. Quite often when someone says radiation, the mind goes straight to explosions, weapons and the fact that it can in some ways be harmful for people. Today in my podcast I'm going to be talking about the way radiation can be used in medicine and could potentially save your life. What is the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word radiation? Oh, things blowing up or explosion. Cancer treatment. Probably like x-rays, Spider-Man type stuff. Hulk. Alpha particles. Uh, microwaves. Ultraviolet light from the sun. X-rays. Although all different, these answers are all correct. As mentioned, radiation is used for x-rays and microwaves, but it is also used for so much more. One example includes being a tool for education. Some colleges, high schools, university and other academic institutions use radiation for research, experiments and laboratory and coursework. As well as being used in education... Radiation can be used by archaeologists to determine the ages of fossils and other objects by using a process which is called carbon dating. Radiation is used in generating power, industry, agriculture and much more. There is radiation around us all the time. Our houses, some of our food and even people emit radiation. Today I'm going to be talking about the use of radiation in medicine. Radiation is a form of energy that travels from a source as waves or energised particles. An atom nucleus contains neutrons and protons, and on the outside electrons are rotating. An element should have a specific amount of protons and neutrons, but sometimes an atom will have too many or not enough neutrons. This makes an atom unstable or radioactive. An unstable atom is called a radioisotope. Radioactive atoms want to become stable and to do this they release energy until they are balanced again. When this happens it's called radioactive decay. There are three main types which are alpha, beta and gamma decay. In alpha decay alpha particles are released which are heavy and don't travel long distances. They also have a low ability to penetrate and can be blocked or absorbed with just a piece of paper. Beta particles are released in beta decay and they are lighter than alpha particles which means they can travel further. They have a higher penetrating power and can penetrate paper but not aluminium. Gamma rays are released in gamma decay and can travel and penetrate the most. Gamma rays penetrate both paper and aluminium as well as many other materials. It takes a dense material like a dense slab of lead to block alpha particles. The time it takes for half a radioactive atom to decay is called a half-life, which I will talk about more later on. The first use of radiation in medicine that I will be talking about is radioactive tracing. This is when a radioactive tracer enters the body to detect a problem. The radiation from the tracer is given off and transformed into a picture so that the doctors can see what's wrong. 
Technetium-99 is one tracer which is used for diagnostic imaging of kidneys, lungs, bones and the heart. Technetium-99 has a short half-life, which means it doesn't take long to break down and decay. This means it won't stay in the patient's body for long, therefore it causes minimal damage. If radiation stays in the body for a long time, it can kill your cells and lead to more serious conditions. Technetium-99 works by entering the body and the radioisotope emits alpha or beta particles and become unstable. To become stable again, it emits gamma rays, which is then picked up on a gamma camera. Another tracer is fluorine-18. It is used for PET scanning of cancer, Alzheimer's disease and epilepsy. It has a short half-life, which means it will not stay in the patient's body for long and will cause minimal damage. Fluorine-18 works when it is attached to a tracer that binds to certain proteins in the body. For example, when they are looking for cancer, fluorine-18 will be attached to a modified form of glucose because cancer cells need glucose to divide and grow. Cancer cells grow and divide at much faster speeds than normal cells, which is why the fluorine will gather in areas of a tumour and not in regular cells. As the fluorine-18 decays, it emits positrons. The positrons will then collide with an electron and as a result give off gamma rays that are picked up on a gamma camera. The last tracer is iodine-123, which is used for diagnostic imaging of the thyroid gland. Like the others, it has a short half-life. The iodine-123 is ingested or injected a day before the scan. Iodine-123 is used for diagnosing thyroid disease because the thyroid gland needs iodine to create thyroid hormones. The iodine gathers in the thyroid cells and a gamma camera picks up the gamma rays emitted from the isotope. Other methods of scans within the body include MRIs, X-rays, CAT-CT scans and ultrasounds. MRIs are used to detect conditions in the brain such as cysts, tumours, infections and more. They work by using protons that are existing within the body. The protons spin, which causes them to have a small magnetic charge. The MRI machine introduces a strong magnetic field that causes the protons to align with it. A radio frequency pulse is then introduced by the MRI technician, which disrupts the proton and results in it being realignment with the magnetic field. Once the radio frequency pulse is turned off, the proton realigns with the magnetic field while also releasing electromagnetic energy which is detected by the MRI machine to show where the cyst, tumour or infection is. Different tissue within the body will release energy at various speeds which is how the machine knows what tissue is what. X-rays are mostly used on bones and joints in the body to find breaks, chips or tears. They work by having short wavelengths which allows them to pass through most tissues in the human body. Bones in the body contain calcium which is a more dense material compared to most other tissue. Because bones contain calcium they are able to stop some of the x-rays from passing through which then creates a shadow showing the bone. This can be registered on a digital sensor or on film so that the bones are clearly visible. As well as radioactive tracing, radiation can be used to kill microorganisms during sterilisation of medical equipment. 
Gamma radiation is used within the process because the energy that alpha and beta particles is not high enough to induce radiation in the equipment. Sterilisation from radiation works when the piece of medical equipment is put inside an airtight bag. The bag is then put into a field of gamma radiation. An example of a gamma source is cobalt-60. The gamma rays are able to penetrate the bag, pass through the equipment and kill microorganisms such as viruses or bacteria. The equipment in the bag will then stay sterile until the bag is opened. Gamma rays are the best option for sterilising metal equipment because they are able to penetrate the plastic. Hospitals and doctors also use other methods of sterilisation, such as steam sterilisation, where the equipment is placed in a chamber and saturated with steam at an extremely high temperature. Another method is ethylene oxide sterilisation. This is when packaged supplies are put into a sterilisation chamber. The air is then removed through several vacuum cycles. Steam and nitrogen are pumped into the chamber as well as ethylene oxide and then left to dwell for 10 to 12 hours until the supplies are fully sterilised. There are advantages to using radiation to sterilise medical equipment compared to the other methods. Radiation can sterilise supplies in any state, e.g. gas, liquid or solid, whereas steam and ethylene oxide sterilisations can only be done to some materials. Radiation sterilisation allows products to be processed and sterilised fully in their plastic packages where they stay until being used in practice. This limits the risk of contamination a lot more compared to the steam sterilisation. In steam sterilisation, you cannot keep the equipment in plastic bags as the high temperature would melt them. Compared to steam sterilisation, radiation sterilisation is a lot more flexible and can sterilise many more products because it is not heat dependent and therefore is compatible with temperature sensitive metals. If steam sterilisation was used on temperature sensitive metals, it could fatigue them and cause them to become weak and useless. Radiation also has no byproducts, unlike ethylene oxide sterilisation. The last use of radiation in medicine that I'm going to be talking about today is radiation therapy. Radiation therapy is the use of radiation to kill cancer cells. There are two different types of radiation therapy. These include external and internal. Radiation therapy uses high energy radiation and targets it at small areas. It is extremely useful for treating cancer because it can destroy and shrink tumours without causing major damage to surrounding tissue. External radiation therapy uses gamma rays generated from a machine outside the body to aim and direct at the tumour. The radioisotope which is most commonly used in radiotherapy is cobalt-60. When cobalt-60 decays, it produces beta particles as well as gamma rays. The gamma rays produced have very high energy, which allows them to reach tumours deep inside the body. Cobalt-60 has a half-life of 5.3 years. The half-life of the radioisotype used in radiation therapy needs to be long because it will allow the machine to last longer. If the half-life was only 10 days, then the machine or the source would need to be replaced, which would either cost a lot of money or be dangerous. The half-life also does not need to be short because the radioisotope is never entering the body.
Internal radiation therapy uses seeds that contain radioactive material and place them near or inside the tumour. The seeds contain the radioisotope iridium-192, which releases beta particles and gamma rays when it decays. The radiation from inside the seeds is very high, which damages the DNA of the cancer cells, which will cause them to die. Depending on the radiation dose needed, the seeds are either left in place permanently or removed after the dose required has been delivered. The half-life of iridium-192 is 74 days. The half-life has to be short enough to deliver the right dosage within a short amount of time, but it also can't be too short, otherwise it will damage the surrounding tissue. Therefore, 74 days is a good half-life for internal radiation therapy. There are other methods of killing cancer cells, such as chemotherapy and tumour removal surgery. Chemotherapy works by using drug treatments. The drugs that are taken use powerful chemicals to kill fast-growing cells inside the body. Tumour removal surgery is when a surgeon makes an incision through the skin, muscle and or bone until they get to the tumour to remove it. Gamma radiation therapy is the best option compared to chemotherapy and tumour removal surgery. Radiation therapy doesn't have major side effects like chemotherapy. In chemotherapy, side effects include hair loss, weakened immune system and nausea. Radiotherapy is also able to penetrate deep inside the body to get all the tumours. In tumour removal surgery, if the surgeon is not able to remove the entire tumour, then they have to use another method as well. The five-year survival rate of radiation therapy is 98% overall, compared to the five-year survival rate of chemotherapy, which is 47%. Radiation therapy is the last use of radiation in medicine that I'll be talking about today. I hope you've learned something new or found out some more information on how radiation is used in hospitals, doctors and more. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Operator, help me please. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.